Welcome back. This is the Sharp End Podcast. I'm Ashley, creator and hostess of the show. This podcast is brought to you by the American Alpine Club and sponsored by Mammut, protecting you while protecting the environment. Mammut is not only focused on integrating leading safety technology into every product so you can confidently push your boundaries, but also committed to continuing to preserve what is worth preserving and to improve what is not yet perfect. This month's Mammut Safety Product Highlight is the Wallrider MIPS helmet, a pioneer amongst its peers. The first climbing helmet featuring the patented MIPS technology, the Wallrider MIPS offers maximum safety and protection from impact caused by tumbling rocks or falls. And guess what? Mammut is going to give away one of these helmets on this show. So stay tuned to learn how you can be eligible. This episode is also sponsored by Matador. Matador makes the most lightweight adventure travel gear out there. Their backpacks and accessories are both technical enough for your big objectives and light enough to help you defy gravity. Sharp Bend listeners will love products like the Beast 28, which is a perfect lightweight backpack for multi-pitch climbs, or the Free Rain 24, a waterproof 6.6 ounce summit pack. So receive 20% off your next Matador order using code SHARPEND20 at www.matadorup.com. And by Tribe Alpha. Tribe Alpha is great e-commerce for the great outdoors and can help you improve the performance of your e-commerce site. With more than 25 years of web experience, Tribe Alpha has a long and successful history working with retailers in the outdoor industry and will help you grow your e-commerce business. And Sharp End podcast listeners get a special discount. Just visit tribealpha.com slash promo to receive a 10% discount off their standard pricing. That's tribealpha.com slash promo. Thank you to the Colorado Hour Bound School and Sunto for the additional support. So this accident happened on a Sunday in September of 2018 in the Wichita Mountains in Oklahoma, specifically in the Charns Garden Wilderness area. It's a super hot day, not a cloud in the sky, and he tells me he's on this easy, accessible aid route. I'll let you meet Andrew, and he'll tell you the rest of the story. Uh, my name's Andrew Smith. I'm 31 years old. I was born and raised in Dallas, Texas. Started climbing in about 2012 down in Austin, where I went to college um, at University of Texas. Um, at that point, I just I fell in love with the sport and became obsessed. I first was introduced to climbing. I had a subscription in National Geographic in uh, 2011. There was a article about uh, Yosemite climbers. Um, I think there was a picture of Alex Honnold on the front and a bunch of pictures from Jimmy Chin. And um, I was like, wow, I, I really want to get into this um, just from seeing those pictures. And so I went to a climbing gym, um, like most people nowadays do if they're interested, and went out and bought everything the next day. So um, progressively just, uh, started in the gym, uh, ended up moving to outside sport climbing. Um, that was pretty much all I did outside of work, um, after I graduated college. Um, so I moved up to Dallas, um, subsequently and found a mentor to teach me try climbing. I didn't know or have any friends that were in it. Um, I was just, I knew I wanted to get into it and where did you find your mentor? Um, he 
owns a gym um, in Carrollton called North Texas Outdoor Pursuit. Um, Is it a climbing gym? Uh, yes, it's in old grain silos. So they have routes that are around 90 to 100 feet tall, um, which is pretty rare. And they are bolted um, and they have aid routes there. But anyway, so I found this mentor that owned this gym um, and he taught me everything. Um, taught me how to place gear, taught me how to build anchors, all the knots I needed to know. Just gave me that really solid foundation to, um, to kind of enter in multi-pitch uh, trad climbing. And after I kind of went through his uh, mentorship program, I met a couple people that were into trad climbing as well. And uh, to, as I learned and progressed, we would start going up to the Wichita's um, and, you know, we, we would hit all the different spots out there. And I started to feel like extremely comfortable and confident placing gear. Um, I went out to uh, Red Rocks and did some tall, um, easier routes. And so I was kind of getting my feet underneath me. Um, and at that point, I was like, this is, this is great and all, but I really want to get on high stuff. Like I was like kind of reverting back to that magazine <laughs> back in 2011. I really want to like, you know, be on a portal ledge and be high on the wall and like, you know, the, really like the adventure of you know, going into the unknown on a massive granite wall out in the valley was so appealing to me. Um, and, you know, there's nothing tall around here, but uh, there's training in the Wichita's, there's some aid routes. So that was kind of the next step is to get into aid climbing, because obviously, it's it's hard to free anything out there. So uh, yeah, big wall is about aid climbing. And so I was introduced to this whole new idea. Um, I had been trad climbing a couple years, so I felt, like I said, really confident placing gear. And so I, uh, I went to my mentor, my old mentor, and was like, I really want to get into aid climbing. And uh, one of my partners, my climbing partners at the time, who I met through the gym as well, was getting into aid climbing also. So we kind of just progressed together. But on that note, we we learned in the gym uh, these grain silos have, like I said, aid routes. And they're all bolts ladders. So you feel like obviously really solid on these bolt ladders, but you can, and there's a couple hook moves um, to in between the bolts to where you can kind of get used to balancing yourself on ladders, on hooks, kind of being unstable and take some falls. And so that, that, that kind of makes you comfortable with the whole process and progression. Um, describe, a, describe a hook to me. What does that look like? So a hook is a, a piece that goes into the rock and it's, it's basically you, you find a particular um, pin scar or a particular crack and you kind of place this hook in a, a rock. It's a small piece of gear that just kind of hooks into it and you place a ladder on it and you climb the ladder. So your whole balance is depending upon this hook and friction to stay put. So which is kind of, you know, your, your whole point is to get through this hook move and get to another place where you can either place another hook and put a ladder in it, or you can place a piece of uh, protection um, and hook a, a hook, a, hook a ladder to that and continue up the, the rock face. Um, so we were introduced to utilizing those, those tools in the gym um, once again. And so it, it got to be time to where I felt comfortable in the gym and I felt comfortable placing gear. So I was like, all right, well, I guess I'm ready to, to lead outside, lead aid outside. Um, and 
I didn't have any doubts in my mind um, at that point. You felt confident. Yeah, absolutely. You were progressing with a partner that was sort of in the same uh, progression and had the same strengths as you did, which is hard, which is really hard to find. Yeah, yeah. And he had actually been out before I went outside to, to aid for the first time. He had been out to Yosemite and climbed some, some multi-day routes out there. So I really trusted him um, and we trusted each other. And which is really good, you know, a good thing in a climbing partner, what everyone needs in a climbing partner, ultimately. Um, So anyway, I I felt comfortable and it was time to go outside. And he was like, I think you're ready. um, If you think you're ready. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. Um, And so we went to a route called uh, Rowan's Andrews. Um, It's about a mile hike. And a place called the, uh, it's in the Wichita Wildlife Refuge, um, place called Charon Gardens Wilderness Area. And uh, so, like I said before, uh, Wichita is about a three-hour drive from Dallas. We got there. We left about six o'clock, got there at nine, hiked a mile to um, the route that we were going to get on. And this is the easiest aid route in the area. So it's, and it's the most accessible so that was what we were going to start on naturally. Um, so we got there and kind of talked me through everything. And he was like, take your time, you know, don't be in a rush. We can be out here on this route for three hours if you need it. So I, I felt no pressure and there was no one around. It's a pretty secluded area. Um, so I felt no pressure, peer pressure. I was very comfortable um, and ready to go. I, I didn't have any nerves at all, which, you know, was pretty surprising. I felt that confident. Um, usually I'm nervous about everything, but for this, for whatever reason, I was ready and I felt prepared. And, um, so I started up the route. Um, everything was going pretty well. Um, placed some, some large pieces, um, going up some, some, probably some probably medium sized cams that I felt really solid on. Um, and this particular route, everything was going pretty smoothly. It took me a while, but, I got to, there was a bolt in the center of the route, which fortunately that bolt was there. Um, but I got to the bolt and um, just to the right of the bolt, this was probably about uh, probably about 50 feet up, about maybe 60 feet up. You know, took a rest. Uh, and then there was this traverse move um, that was just to the right of the bolt. And that was why the bolt was ultimately there is because it was this, this pretty shady traverse move to where you really have to like kind of swing out and place a piece of gear. Um, so, and it's a very, very tight space to where I used, uh, I can't remember the size of the nut, but I used a pretty small nut, um, in this spot. And it took me probably about an hour to get it in. And remember this day was pretty hot outside. So at that point I had been, whenever I got to that traverse, I'd been on the wall for, Gosh, at that point, probably two hours, hour and a half. Um, I was fatigued, um, sweating, and... Thirsty? Thirst. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thirsty, probably super dehydrated. Um, you know, like a good climbing partner should, he was continually encouraging me, like, hey, you got this. Just, you know, stay cool. You, you keep going. And so I placed this nut in. I finally got it in, kind of swinged over, placed this nut in this crack, hooked my ladder to it got on the ladder and was going up and the nut blew. Um, And that was the first fall I took. And so at that point, 
So uh, wait, 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 wait. So wait, so wait. So you placed a nut in a mm-hmm. tiny crack. Yes. It took you about an hour to place this nut yes. in this crack. And then you and then you hooked the the ladder your ladder to it and you put all your weight on that nut. Uh correct. Well I uh yeah, because it's kind of one of those spots to where you traverse and you're kind of like you're kind of swinging from this bolt and you place this nut in and then you place your ladder in. And then, so I, I placed the ladder in and then hooked myself into this and it essentially got on the ladder and was balancing on this nut. I felt confident. And uh, so anyway, like I finally got this nut in, put the nut in and the nut blew. And so I ended up falling probably, it was probably roughly about 15 feet, not, not too bad. Um, but I ended up going upside down and so I fell and I was like, fine. I like, I was good to go. And, uh, I was like, and he was like, dude, you all right? I'm like, oh yeah. Yeah. Like I got it out of my system. I had my first aid fall. Like, all right, I'm good to go now. No fear, especially now. (laughs) And so I ended up, uh, getting back up to that bolt and I was like, all right, I'm going to go for it again. Um, by this point, you know, like, like I said earlier, been up there for a while, to hydrate even more so now, but I was determined, um, to get through it. And I kept kind of imagining myself in a big wall scenario. Cause that was like my ultimate dream is yeah. Like I'm going to be really tired when I'm up there on like day three, like I'm just on this one single pitch. Like I need to keep going. So <laughs> there was that like internal motivation that I had. And, um, so anyway, I ended up going back, placing that same nut, getting it in, and it, it held, um, and it was good. And so I climbed up the ladder, got to the next piece, placed a yellow totem in. Um, that piece held, bounce tested it, um, was good, climbed up that ladder. And then at that point, I had probably two moves till the top. Um, so, you know, I, I'm sure psychologically, I was like, all right, almost there, almost there, I got this. And I, I think I probably rushed it at that point. Um, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I did because I saw the end was near. I was tired, dehydrated, and was like, this is it. This is the end. I can, I'm so close. I can get there. Um, so nut, yellow totem, and then I placed a 0.3C4 um, and placed that piece up, put my ladder to it, got on the ladder, bounce tested it, sat on the ladder. Next thing I knew, I was sitting on the ground, and I came to. I don't remember the act of falling. It just pulled. I don't remember it pulling. Next thing I remember, I was sitting on the ground with my head and my knees, and that was the act of falling. How far was it? So my partner said it was about with rope stretch, probably about 50 feet to the ground. Yeah. So I, I had that, I'm sorry, I was kind of unclear on this. I had the point three C four pull. I had the yellow totem pull. And then I had the nut pull all three pieces zippered down. So I got, I got caught by the bolt. So I didn't quite, I almost grounded. I didn't quite hit the ground. But like I said, once that top 0.3 C4 pulled, I don't remember anything. Right. Um, um, so Did you hit the wall? 
I did. So I fell, hit the wall, um, and the based on the injuries, and it, it happened so fast, obviously, that my partner was kind of, he, he, he saw it, but, you know, he, he was in shock as well whenever he saw it. But based on my injuries, I, um, I, I feel like the gear, because I had the, the massive gear vest since it was my first time, I had all the pieces that I needed and then some. <laughs> um, so I had plenty of gear on my back. And so what happened was the first impact was my back and the gear impaled my back um, because I went upside down. Um, And then I hit my back and then I came back and hit my head and I was wearing a helmet. I don't think I mentioned that. Um, Obviously I don't, I wouldn't be here if I wasn't. Um, So hit the gear, hit my back, came back, slammed my head on. I was out. Um, my partner said I was non-responsive and just hanging there lifeless for about, he lowered me, um, but he said I was unconscious probably for about two minutes. For two uh, minutes? Yeah. Yeah. Just that's like. A long, that's a long time, Andrew. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just like out and he lowered me and I I say unconscious. I was, he said I was like, I, I started talking about probably a minute after, but I don't remember this. Like I don't remember talking. Um, so I guess maybe about a minute. And then whenever I fully came to and was aware, I think he said it was about like two, two and a half minutes. So, um, so he lowered me and sat me on the ground, um, and set me on the ground. And then I, whenever I came to about two and a half minutes or so, three minutes, hard to tell and <laughs> after all of it happened but whenever i came to i was sitting on the ground and i remember kind of having like a dream like state and right when i came to it was like i woke up from a dream really and didn't know where i was um and so right when i came to i remember first thing i remember is standing up taking my helmet off and was just like frantically feeling around my body and he was like, no, 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 no. He was like, sit down, sit down, relax. Dude, you just took a big fall. And he's like, you're, you're all right. Just sit down. I'm going to go, I'm going to go find someone. Cause I, I some guys had come, um, and they were climbing on the other, uh, like at another spot on that same wall, like around the corner. So he wanted to go get them just, you know, to have some extra people around. Um, my partner said he, he, I think he's had some like wilderness survival training um so he like asked me some questions kind of checked some limbs Uh, i'm not sure exactly what all he did um but he went to get help um came back with some guys and you know asked me some basic questions to make sure i was like all there um and which i answered and then so i was still sitting down just kind of relaxing kind of processing everything Um, and then he's like, can you walk? And I like got up, was walking around, didn't feel any pain really at all. Um, I was, do you think that you didn't feel pain because you were in shock? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I had my, uh, sympathetic nervous system was probably on hyperdrive. Um, Yeah. When your adrenaline's pumping that, that much, it, you don't really, it seems like you don't really feel much. Right. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't feel anything. I was just like, am I all right? And then, you know, the panic set in of what actually happened. And I was like, I was like, dude, I think, 
I think I need a care flight out of here. I could be internally bleeding. You know, your mind starts racing. Um, I could have like a subdural hematoma right now. Like I hit my head, I was unconscious. Like I, you know, and all of these thoughts started racing in my head. Um, all of these terrible, like things that could be happening inside my body right now. And so I was like, I need to get a CT scan. Like I need to get to an ER. Let's get a care flight. And my partner's like, by the time a care flight gets out here, we're in the middle of nowhere. We could have already gotten there in time. Um, we could have gotten to the ER and he's like, are you okay to walk? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm okay to walk. Like, and so he's like, I'll carry your bag and we'll, we'll hike out. We'll go, we'll, we'll make it, we'll get out. It was, and like I said, it was a mile approach. A mile of what? Was it a mile, like a mile, a mellow mile? A, a it was a mellow, it was a, me- it was a mellow okay. mile. Yeah. So okay. it, it wasn't like a, a crazy approach. But it, it was a mile. And so uh, he was like, all right, I'll carry your bag for you. Like, this wasn't going to make me carry my bag. So uh, he was like hauling. We had a ton of stuff with a ton of gear with us. And so it was probably like total about like a ton of gear and water since it was so hot. It was probably about 75 pounds that he was carrying. Um, and so ended up hiking out still at that point, was processing everything as I was hiking out, like kind of was piecing together everything as I was walking out. We ended up uh, finding an ER on the way to the emergency room. I called my wife um, in Dallas and was like, you know, kind of downplaying it because I didn't want to scare her. At that point, I kind of started to feel some pain in my back. Um, Probably as the adrenaline stopped pumping, I was sitting down. I was like, all right, like something's definitely wrong. And so I got to the ER. They put me in a bed and um, ended up taking my shirt off, which was ripped in my, my whole entire back was had pretty big bruising scrapes um looked looked really gnarly it was pretty bad it was and, that from um, you falling and hitting the like the gear crammed into your back yes that and then just like the process of scraping against the rock um so they did a ct scan and the moment where i was moved to the ct scan bed from the hospital bed was when the pain was probably the worst I've ever felt ever um, in my back, my lower back. I had broken my 10th and 11th rib on, um, on my uh, backside posterior. And um, I had some slight uh, fluid in my lungs, um, nothing to be super concerned about. Um, and I had a slight contusion that they could see, um, on my brain, on the skull. And obviously my back was like pretty scraped up. I mean, I was thrilled. Like after the CT scan, I was just like, wow. Relieved. Oh yeah. I was like terrified of cognitive deficits. You know, like my mind was racing about like, you know, like my memory being impaired or, you know, endless things can happen when you have head trauma, obviously. Um, And I think my ribs were broken probably a couple inches from my spine. So, um, so I just was like, you know, absolutely thrilled. I I couldn't have been happier, even though I was in such intense pain, couldn't be happier that I just escaped that. Like it was just, I consider myself extremely fortunate given the circumstances. So after you have an accident like this, you start to question everything that you did. Right. And you start to kind of go back mentally throughout the whole day and think, okay, how could this have been prevented? 
what did I do wrong? Like, and it, it's very humbling because I feel like us as climbers, we think that this can never happen to us. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, that is such a, that is such a common sentiment, Andrew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this so, could never happen to me. Right. Yeah. And so like I would read like accident reports a lot and you always, yeah, there's, there's multiple circumstances that can come together to cause an accident, but ultimately like you never think that that cocktail of circumstances will hit you. And I, like I said before, I was, I was so confident. I wouldn't have done it if I wasn't confident. I wouldn't have gone up that route if I didn't feel like I could, if I was a hundred, I was a hundred percent sure I could get to the top hundred percent. So after going home, I mean, I, I, my ribs, you know, took a while to recover, but it wasn't like necessarily, I feel like I dodged a bullet with physical pain. I mean, it, yeah, it hurt terribly. And, but I think the biggest effect on me was psychologically for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, and just, you know, like you start second guessing like everything, like, and climbing was like my passion. Like I loved it. Whenever I was up on the wall, like I don't feel any anxiety. I'm not thinking about anything else except what I'm doing. It's like, you know, it's like a mind body sport that you can just escape in. And that's what I, what attracted me so much to it. You definitely have to be very, very present when when you're, when you're climbing rocks. Right. Yeah, for sure. And it basically like all your problems or at least mine, like all went away as I was like climbing something or like out in the wilderness or, you know, out with friends. It's just like you're, you have a one track mind and, and our society today, that's very rare to have with all the variety of stimuli and, you know, everything around us. It's like, was such a relief for me every time I would get outside on the wall. Um, Just a, a life stressor relief. Well, do you think that you can feel that again? Um, so, um, after, afterwards, you know, I fully recovered and I went to Enchanted Rock, which is, a, a place outside of Austin. So the accident happened in September. Uh, I went out probably in February and I had been to the climbing gym a couple of times before that, but I went out there and I didn't lead anything. Uh, but I followed and had which I had never felt climbing before, uh, a feeling in my gut that was, would just not go away. It was like overwhelming anxiety and just like what happened. It was like an uneasiness. It wasn't like an immediate fear. It was just like, yeah, like I thought about my fall, but it, I mean, this was on like following like a five, five route, which we did in approach shoes. Like it was like, like not a lot. It wasn't difficult at all, but like following, which is like, you know, like there was an anchor built at the top in bolts. There was no reason to be afraid. Like, you know, uh, I had a comp, I was with a competent partner, not the same guy that was with me, but another one of our friends and no reason to be anxious whatsoever. It was like essentially top roping. And I remember getting to the top and he was like, dude, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, th- I think so. I-, I-, I think I am like, you know, and you always like downplay it when you're, when you're with people, but like inside, I did not feel okay. Um, just, and 
I don't know. I guess it was from that experience that just like hit me really hard. So I, I continued the trip, you know, and, and continued following, but I felt that unease the entire time. Just, it was a feeling in my gut. Like, I, I don't know. Like, it, it's kind of like, I couldn't pinpoint what it was because I, you know, like I said, I was, I wasn't leading anything. I was, you know, top roping on bolts essentially. Um, but I, I don't know. And I had never, I've never been worried or anxious before when I've been on the rock ever until after the accident. So at that point I was just like, okay, like maybe I just need to like think about it and take a break. Like, and I ended up going climbing one more time after that. Um, and this was like sport climbing. So this is like as safe as it can be outside. Um, and I led a couple like small routes, but even then on the bolts, I still like that feeling still came back. And after that point, I, I still went to the gym, but I was just like, I've, I, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Yeah. So I kind of reached a point to where I just, I just stopped. And I, I recently entered a graduate program, um, that pretty much consumes all my time. And then, you know, also, um, non-climbing people don't really get what climbers, you know, receive, like the satisfaction they receive from climbing. Um, so like, of course, like, everyone in my family, all my friends were like, dude, like, just stop doing that. It's not worth it. Like, so I, I had all of this inflow of like, you know, you came out ahead, like just stop now, you know? And so I, I guess that might've influenced, like, I'm still kind of at a crossroads still, I think. Um, just because I feel like I, I dodged such a bullet and the fact that I felt so confident and never anxious before. And I, something bad happened. It's just like, now I second guess everything. Um, when it comes to climbing, imagining myself, you know, going out there and, you know, try climbing again, or even trying eight again. Um, so, so yeah, uh, I'm still kind of at that point. Um, but it, it helps to talk to, I know afterwards it helps to talk to climbers about it just because they understand the, you know, we all understand the satisfaction that we all derive from it. Um, but that, that was what I was going to ask you, Andrew, is, um, have you talked to friends about this and specifically, have you talked to your mentor about this? Yeah. Yeah. We, I talked briefly with them, but I think I've recently or really afterwards, it's just kind of been like avoidance behavior, which always makes anxiety worse. But yeah, I, I talked to my, my mentor about it and he's just like, dude, take your time. Like I'm here for you. Um, and I don't know, like, and then I've started this, you know, graduate program, which, you know, completely consumes all my time, but, but yeah, it, it I think, feel like it will definitely take some time once this, you know, graduate program and then kind of lightens up. I definitely want to try to work on it and get back to the hobby that I fell in love with. And, um, yeah, so still kind of at a point of unease and it's, I, I feel extremely lucky, um, to escape that situation, um, without 
any significant damage. Well, you do have damage. I mean, you may you may not have significant physical damage, right? But um, you know, after I talked with Laura McGladry, I interviewed her. Um, the the thirty fourth episode of the Sharpened is called Psychological First Aid, and Laura McGladry talks to me about stress injuries, and that's what you're dealing with right now. Right, right, and yeah, I, I for sure, I, I I can definitely identify how. I was affected psychologically by it more so than way, way more so than physical. And I'm still dealing with that, especially right. like feeling so confident in something and then having it go like it did. I mean, it's well, confidence and, and passionate. I mean, you, you lost your confidence in climbing because of the accident and you also lost your passion for climbing because of the injury. And so, um, it's going to be some work to get both of those back. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, like anything, you know, it, it, it's super hard. I, you know, hear about buddies, like, like I have some friends out right, right now that are out at Yosemite. And um, that was kind of like my ultimate goal is to go out there. Um, and I never got, got there. <laughs> so, or at least not yet. Um, my hope is one day to be able to get out there and kind of, you know, uh, find that, that love and passion that I had for it before and, um, you know, kind of get to that point. So what kind of things, um, are, are you going to do to, um, to get back on the rock? How are you going to get back on the rock one day? I think ultimately how I will is first of all, to get back in good climbing shape. Um, I think that's the first step and, you know, kind of getting your, you know, climbing confidence back is to be in solid shape, right? Is to be prepared um, and to have the the physical capabilities to, you know, more so than you would actually need. Like any, you know, we could all go out and climb like, you know, a five, 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 six route, you know, kind of jaunt up it. But like, I think in my case, like even going outside and climbing sport, like I want to be in sufficient shape. Um, that's the first, I think the first step. And secondly is like, I don't know, like getting to a point to where talk to more climbers regularly um, and just have supportive partners, which I, you know, keep in touch with still um, continuously um, getting to a point to where I'm able to, to go out and be comfortable again and like enjoy it and not have that nervous feeling in the gut. <laughs> what advice do you have for the listeners um, transitioning from, um, gym climbing to sport climbing to trad climbing and to, to aid climbing? I would say first and foremost, uh, like everyone will tell you, you need a mentor, wear a helmet. Like I, I know, like, it's not cool. Like, I mean, people like, it is cool. It is cool. Yeah. It well, is yeah. Cool. I'm saying, I, I'm saying in quotes, like what people that don't wear helmets think, you know, I, there's really no reason to not wear one. Never be too overconfident in yourself. Um, you need that confidence for sure, but don't get to a point to where you think stuff can't happen to you. Constantly read accident reports. Learn from other people that have had accidents. No shame in bailing off something. Never any shame. Um, leave a piece of gear, you know, whatever. Like, it's it's not worth it, you know. Like, in this case, there's a bolt, so I would, couldn't could have not left any gear. Um, but like when I was tired and up there, like I should have bailed, like 
it made sense to bail at that point. But I was so confident that I think, oh, like, you know, nothing's going to happen to me. Like, but, you know, that's, that's definitely not the case. So definitely develop an awareness about you. So definitely constantly be learning. Like, there's always something new to learn. Um, and there's always an experience, someone else's experience to learn from and to gain valuable insight. And so definitely don't become complacent. I think that's the most dangerous thing for experienced climbers is complacency. Here's another tip for beginning aid climbers. Choose very straightforward crack climbs with bomber cam and nut placements for your first aid routes. The fact that Andrew pulled out three pieces in his fall suggests that these were somewhat tricky placements. So you want to dial in your systems on the easiest climbs before moving on to more difficult aid pitches. Thanks to Andrew for being vulnerable enough to be on the show with me today. Thank you to Mammut for being the headlining sponsor and for donating a helmet to one of the Sharpend listeners. Um, to enter to win, head on over to the Sharpend Instagram page, find the post that coordinates with this episode, and leave a comment telling me your favorite climbing area. I will announce the winner on the September episode. Thanks to the Colorado Hour Bound School and Sudo for being contributing sponsors. The Colorado Hour Bound School has been changing lives through challenge and discovery for more than 55 years. They offer wilderness expeditions in Colorado, Utah, Arizona, Alaska, and Ecuador. Courses range in 8 to 81 days in length for ages 12 plus and include backpacking, mountaineering, canyoneering, rafting, and rock climbing. Visit www.cobs.org to plan your next adventure. When you have your mind set on a certain goal or adventure, you want to make sure that your watch can also go the distance. So with up to 120 hours of continuous exercise tracking, the Sunto 9 is built to last just like you. It is also tested tough through hundreds of hours of military-grade testing and built with durability in mind. Join the American Alpine Club today for an exclusive discount on the Sunto 9. Remember, play hard and be smart.